0: If you brought your Bible, uh, open it, please, to the book of Ephesians. We began a couple of weeks ago on a, um, a new series. And the title of this is, uh, Give No Place to the Devil. Give No Place to the To the devil. And that's exactly what this scripture says in Ephesians 4. Now, there's two sources of thinking and believing what God said, and everything else. (laughs) Everything else is what people have come up with, human beings. And even though these words and these thoughts and these truths came through uh, human human beings that penned it and spoke it, we're convinced that it did not come from them as a source, but that the Bible is the God-breathed, inspired, inerrant, without error, Word of God. Now, if you don't believe that, it makes you vulnerable to all kinds of confusion and deception. But if you do believe it, it gives you a standard and a foundation and an anchor that there are sure things. There are infallible truths. There is right. There is wrong. There is good. There is evil. And the Bible, the Word of God, reveals this to us. And we here, Faith Life Church, Phyllis and I, and the family here, we hold the Word as our absolute standard, as the answer to every question. We don't go to the Bible to find scriptures to support our beliefs. We go to the Bible to get our beliefs. There's a difference. (laughs) Big difference. And no matter how much we may believe something or mama believed it or grandma believed it or our group believed it, if we find out in the Word something in the Bible contradicts it, we're going to dispense with that belief. We're going to get rid of that belief we've carried. And we're going to not be conformed to this ungodly world but adapt ourselves and yield ourselves to what he said. Because he's right about everything. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he said, verse 24, that you put on the new man. Now, in our previous series, we talked about uh, the spirit of man. And we saw that there is an inward man, and there's an outward man. There's a spirit. And there's a body. And he's talking about that. Put on the new man. Which after God's created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, when you were born again. It wasn't your body that got born again. You know if you gave your heart to the Lord and you were born again. The next day you got the same body you had. Before you were born again. And it wasn't your mind that got born again either. Your intellect. You don't, just because you got born again doesn't mean that the next day you know everything. <laughs> right? You got the same mind you had. In fact, the Bible tells you uh, when, after you're born again uh, to be get your mind renewed so that you can prove what is that good and uh, acceptable and perfect will of God. It was the inner man, it was the hidden man of the heart that was changed. And this is not imaginary, even though it's not something you can see with your eye or touch with your hand, this is real. And this is one of the big issues that people have stumbled over, and that is the reality of the unseen. Many still scoff and mock and think, well, if I can't touch it, if I can't feel it, if I can't see it, if we can't see it under a microscope or through a telescope, it doesn't exist. But then they'll turn right around and contradict themselves in just a few moments by describing things that's real to them that they've never seen or touched or felt, things like thoughts, And feelings, emotions, you can't see them through a microscope, you can't touch them with your hand, so it's inconsistent to say, if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. No, there's a whole realm, unseen realm, called spirit. God is spirit. You are spirit. Angels are spirit. Wrong spirits, obviously, spirits. This is not imaginary. This is not fantasy. This is reality. Uh, those who study uh, physics, even many, uh, you know, so-called experts in that realm, they believe in multiple dimensions that cannot be seen or perceived uh, from a physical standpoint. And this is reality. There's another dimension besides this material world. And it exists parallel with us. And it is spirit. Spirit. If you accept this and believe what the Bible has to say about it, it will answer so many questions for you. It will open so many things up for you. Uh, Keep reading here. He said... uh, Verse 25, putting away lying. Everybody say it out loud, stop lying. Stop lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. What he's saying is, why would you lie to yourself? (laughs) That's self-deception. And we are, all of us born again, we are the same body of Christ And the same family. So lying to each other is like lying to yourself. Be angry and sin not. Just because you get angry. Doesn't mean you have to do something wrong. Or do something that you'll regret. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, This is not a suggestion. It's a command. We are not to allow ourselves to fume and stew. Day after day. To do so is to yield to wrong spirits. Which is the next thing he said. Uh, Neither give place to the devil. Now if you believe the Bible is truth. And the word of God. There's so much revelation in this one little phrase. If you believe the Bible. Then the devil exists. Right? Right? The devil exists. And that's part of this unseen dimension. And you also realize that he doesn't have place in your life unless you give it to him. Whether it's willingly, deliberately, or ignorantly, as many are doing. The enemy, man, this is good news, he cannot just come in and take place in your life and do what he wants to do. Because he, ch- he chooses to. He has to convince us to give him access, which a wise person would never do. Right? And yet millions are just completely yielding to the enemy. Because one of the biggest things the devil has ever pulled off is convincing most of the world he doesn't even exist. And so you're certainly not going to resist what you don't believe exists. If you don't believe it exists, you're never going to resist anything This non existent. Go with me, if you would, to a, a, let me see. I'll read these to you while you're going to this other place. Are you okay? Are you comfortable? Are you happy? Go to 2 Corinthians 6, and I'll just review and remind you of these. They'll put them on the screen for us. 1 Peter 5 and 8. They'll put it on the screen. Where are you going? 2 Kings 6. Did I say Corinthians? My mistake. My mistake. Second there's a big difference in those two. 2 Kings 6. You're going. Uh, and I'm going to read these to you and then put them on the screen. 1 Timothy 5 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. That means be, be on your guard, be on your watch. For what? For what? Your adversary, the devil. You have an adversary. You have somebody that's out to get you. You have somebody that's against you. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may. Devour. Now that word, that little three-letter word may mm-hmm. is wonderful. Is that right? Yeah. That means he has to get access, mm-hmm. which is what we just got through reading in Ephesians. Don't give him the access. Don't one translation says, don't give him the room to operate. Another said don't give him the opportunity. Another said don't give him the space. Neither give place or room or opportunity for the devil. And here it says, "Watch, be on your guard, because he's seeking whom he may devour." That means there's some he may, and there's some he may not. I myself, Emma, may not. Come on, come on! You you wanna you wanna join in this wonderful group, huh? I'm a I'm a may not. may not. How about you? I'm he's seeking whom he may devour. That means he may not devour everybody. There's some he may, there's some he may not. Then we need to find out what makes you a may not. <laughs> Uh, James, uh, v- verse 9, actually gives you the answer. It's not some great mystery. Verse 9 says, First uh, Peter 5, 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, that's what prevents him from devouring you, is that you resist Amen. him. Yes. You don't yield to him. You don't give in to him. You don't give place to him. You resist him. And you do it steadfast. That means you don't do it just a time or two and then quit and give in. You do it today. If he bugs you tomorrow, you resist him tomorrow. If he bugs you Thursday, you resist him Thursday. If he bugs you with it 20 times on Thursday, you resist him 20 times. You never stop resisting him. Now... I know that sounds tiring and fatiguing, but it's just reality. In the realm in which we live, in this world in which we live, there are evil influences seeking access and seeking influence. For the child of God, it is not something for us to be afraid of, but we do need to be aware of it. And we do need to be, like the Scripture said, on our guard, vigilant, so that when we recognize, all right, the enemy's trying to do something, we don't just ignore it like it doesn't exist and we neither do we just give in to it and yield to it and let it happen. We resist. Somebody say resist. resist. Resist steadfast in the faith knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. James 4, 7 says it again. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. James 4, 7 says submit yourselves therefore to God. Now another way of saying that is yield to God. Give place to Him. But do what? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Two of the most important things we could ever learn in this life is what to receive and what to resist. What to yield to, submit to, And what to never submit to. (laughs) Can you see that? What to never give in to. Anything that's of the enemy, you should never act like it's from God. You should never submit to it. You should never give up to it. And um, the reason we say this is because the Spirit of God in the book of Acts, through uh, Paul was saying to individuals, he said, you... Well, excuse me, this was uh Stephen, I believe it was. He said to individuals, religious individuals, he said, You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. Yes. Always resisting the Holy Spirit. Wow. Why in the world would you do that? Why would a supposedly a believer in God do that? Well, it's the trickery of the enemy. This is how he operates. Not he doesn't he didn't come to you at the front door he the scripture describes him as subtle that means trick tricky so submit yourself to god yield to him if it's the holy spirit yield to him if it's the enemy never yield to it resist and having done all to stand against stand against it go with me i know i told you uh Kings, but go to Ephesians right now. We're not quite ready to to get there. Go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, please. Ephesians 6. We were there in Ephesians 4, and there's a lot in this book of Ephesians about what we're talking about right now. And Ephesians 6, I believe it's verse 10 He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Now, that's not being strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Your strength will fade and fail. His will not. Your power will run out. His will not. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what the wilds of the devil now people have all kind of ideas about how spiritual conflict happens do not miss this because this is central to understanding what you're even fighting against we are to to take to ourselves to keep on ourselves The whole armor of God. And he mentions different parts of it here in just a moment. But to what end? That we may be able to stand against. That's the same, in fact, some of the same words are translated resist as are translated stand against. To stand against what? We know we're supposed to resist the devil, we know know we're not supposed to give the devil any place. How do you do this? How? Well, how does he come? He comes with his wilds. The scripture also says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Actually, one translation says it like this: We're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. Another one says, we're not ignorant of Satan's thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. We're not ignorant of Satan's thoughts or schemes or wiles or trickery or deceit. If you say, well, I, I'm sorry, I, this spirit realm stuff, I'm an educated person, I can't believe in all that. Do you believe in thoughts? Thoughts. And feelings. Can you see them under a microscope? No. Can you prove they exist through material means? No. Then according to people that say, I don't believe in things I can't see, then you don't believe in thoughts or feelings. But they are real, right? What's happening right now? I'm speaking words. Words mean nothing unless they convey thoughts. You're hearing words. Well, words and letters and sounds mean nothing unless they convey a thought. But here's the issue. Where do thoughts come from? Where do they come from? They have multiple sources. They come from different places. And uh, this is what the Scripture is telling us, that we are to be vigilant, we are to be on our guard against the enemy subtly, slyly, stealthily, slipping thoughts to us that we didn't realize came from him. And the scripture says he transforms himself into an angel of light. One of his main methods of operation is that he tries to convince you that his thought actually came from God. So how do I resist the enemy? If you're waiting for a a being in a red suit with a pitchfork, you're going to be waiting a long time. But if you recognize thoughts and feelings as something trying to influence you, you influence your belief, influence how you see things, and it comes, these things are real. That's why people are, uh, so many times think, well, this is God, because it's so real. Uh, real doesn't make it right. Amen. But I just feel so strong about it. That doesn't make it right, because you feel strong about it. And you hear people use that, that language, yes, but but I just feel. Thought you don't believe in things you can't see. What's a feeling? Where did it come from? What's the nature of it? These things exist in another dimension. The reason we're aware of them is because we are multidimensional beings. We are spirit. We also have a mind. We also have a body. And the body, like we studied earlier, can focus outside or it can focus inside. I can be aware of everything in this material realm or all kinds of things. Or I can focus the other direction and be aware of spiritual realities. I can be aware of my own spirit. I can be aware of the Holy Spirit within my being. I can be aware of God. I can be aware of spiritual influences bringing thoughts and bringing feelings, seeking influence. And the moment I recognize, hold on now, whoa, 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 that's wrong thinking. That's not from God. What do I do? Come on, help me out. Child. What, what? I go into stand against mode. I go into resist mode. He said, let's finish reading this. He said uh, that you may be able to stand against what? Wild. Very important to get this right. A lot of folks go off on tangents and fight, they They imagine they're fighting this and that, but they miss this. What are we to, to be standing against, resisting? The wiles, the trickery, the subtle deception of the devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So many times, people are fussing and fighting with each other when that's really not the problem. The problem are the influences behind them. What's influencing them? Or what's influencing you? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness or wicked spirits, In high places are are the heavenlies. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, had an experience with the head of the church, Jesus, who who taught him some things and showed him some things about this. I'll refer to those once in a while. And, of course, you're to check the word to see if it bears witness with you and your own heart. But I'll I'll mention it. i bring it up because I'm going to mention some of these things throughout this study. Uh, He said that the Lord told him that these are four ranks of evil spirits and beginning with the lowest and ending up at the highest and he said that the uh, principalities did very little thinking for themselves and were just told what to do and the next word powers means authorities he said rulers of the darkness are the, are the uh main ones we'd have to deal with in this world and wicked spirits in the heavenlies are the ones he deals with the angels deal with uh, and I know that's a lot to, to take in at one moment but I'm, I'm telling you what, uh, what the Lord told him but these are spirits they're not human and they're not angelic they're something else They are cognizant, aware beings. They come from another age and another world before we got here. And they've lost their bodies. You know, the scripture talks about us in in, in Corinthians that we don't want to be unclothed. We want to be clothed with uh, our new body. And so uh, we're not going to be bodiless throughout the ages. The scripture tells us God's going to raise our body yes. and glorify it. Hallelujah. But we will exist from the time we leave here, die, until the Lord time the Lord comes back and, and the resurrection of all the bodies occurs, we will exist just fine without a body. Amen. And you'll be you. You won't change into something else. Well, there are these spirits here that are bodiless, which means they can have no influence in this material realm unless they can get somebody to yield their mind, their mouth, their hands to them, and they seek expression in this realm. Not something we should be afraid of, but something we should be aware of. But you've got to recognize it before you're going to resist it. He, he goes on to say, uh, Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, you can say stand against. Verse 14, stand therefore, or stand against. Can you see how many times he says this? Verse 11, stand against. Verse 12, against, 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 against. Verse 13, withstand, stand against. Verse 14, stand against. Are we getting an idea here? What's our part? Stand. Stand against it. Resist it. Don't give in to it. Don't give in to what? Don't give in to what? Huh? Those thoughts... And those feelings to feel sorry for yourself. That's the devil. It's coming from outside spiritual influences. Stand against what? Stand against anger and rage and wanting to get somebody back. What What do you do with that? What do most people do with it? <laughs> huh? Welcome it. Is that right? Make plans. <laughs> How to carry it up. Now you're laughing, but most of the inhabitants of this earth are not even aware of what's going on. They're going along, doing okay, and all at once they just they just feel bad. Oh, man, I was doing so good. Well, what changed? I don't know. I just don't feel like I did. Oh, well, everything's lost. What's the feeling? Where did it come from? Why does it have to dominate and control me? Is anybody awake? I just had a bad thought. Did you have to think it the rest of the week? Where did it come from? Who brought it? See, people are waiting, like I said, to see somebody in a red suit and a pitchfork before they're going to start resisting anything. What do I stand against? Answer the question, child of God. The wilds. Wilds. Trickery. Deceit. How does it come? How does it come? Well hold your place there and look in Second Corinthians, the tenth chapter, Second Corinthians ten and one. I'm reading this from the Phillips. There is spiritual activity. These things are real. But it's not how Hollywood depicts it. These are not the monsters of horror films. None of that is reality. These are disembodied, defeated spirits that can't do a thing to a child of God unless they can talk you into it. But it's sad how much they're able to talk people into Have you ever yielded to a wrong spirit? (laughs) Got some honest people around. Huh? Have you ever yielded to confusion? Have you ever yielded to depression? Have you ever yielded to anger? Have you ever yielded and told a lie? Then you've yielded to wrong spirits. You may not have been aware that they were there. You might not have been aware of why for three days in a row... You kept wanting to do something that you knew wasn't right. It just kept coming. Something was pushing you. It just kept coming up to you over and over and over again that you knew wasn't right. But something kept pushing you to do it. It was a spirit. Our spirits. And if you don't know what's going on, you'll do nothing. And it'll stay there. And let's keep on. And it'll get worse. And if you don't know what's going on, you'll just yield and yield and give place and give place until you're totally confused, totally depressed, totally defeated. When all you had to do. Help me, child of God. All you had to do. Resist. Get out of here. No, I'm not going to do that. Get out of here. I command you to shut up and leave. In Jesus' name. What did the scriptures say? Resist the devil and he'll flee. Is the Bible true? If he didn't flee, you didn't resist him. You're just still playing games. All of us have yielded to the stuff we shouldn't have yielded to. But let's wake up. Amen. Let's grow. Yes. Let's learn. Amen. Faith life people. Amen. Yes. Are and will be some of the most. Spiritually aware. You believe it? Yes. And and spirit led people. In our generation. In the planet. Come on. I want to hear a little more agreement than that. I, I said faith life people. Yes. Talking about you. Me are and will be some of the most spiritually aware. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Spiritually aware means you know what's going on. You are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. You see him coming a mile off. Huh? And you put your foot down. You you don't give in to the enemy, and you do recognize when it's the Holy Spirit, and you give him full place. And you yield to him and you submit to God. And some of the most and best spirit-led people in our generation, on the planet. Did you find 2 Corinthians 10? Uh, Verse 1, I'm reading the Phillips. He said, the truth is that although... We lead normal human lives. I'm reading the Phillips translation. The battle we are fighting is on the spiritual level. The very weapons we use are not those of human warfare, but powerful in God's warfare for the destruction of the enemy's strongholds. What kind of strongholds is he talking about? These are not brick and mortar. These are not concrete buildings. These are not uh, physical walls. What, what's he talking about? These are strongholds of deception and blindness and confusion and lies in th- throughout the earth. The scripture says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not lest they should see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus. Different parts of the country are deceived in different ways. Different parts of the world, especially where you see uh, idol religion, worshiping idols and, and worshiping others and false gods, these are strongholds of wrong beliefs and wrong thinking in different parts of the country, parts of the world. He said, uh, our battle is to bring down every deceptive fantasy and every imposing defense that men erect against the true knowledge of God. We fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. Somebody say, "Every every thought. Did you hear these two words, imaginations? Now, this is describing spiritual warfare. But we walk in the flesh. We don't war against the flesh. Well, how do we war? We war against imaginations and thoughts. These are what develop into strongholds in a person's life that governs them and controls them. Think about this Imagination. Imagine there's no heaven. I mean, that's a Beatle song, right? Huh? No heaven above us, no hell beneath. Imagine. Who wants you to imagine there's no hell and no heaven? And look how subtle the enemy is. He crafts it with catchy music. Is that right? And maybe people that you like other of their music. He's subtle. He's crafty. He's slick. He's got you receiving this that you like. And while he's doing that, he slips something in. And if you don't know what's going on, You entertain the thought. How do we know there's a heaven? Maybe there's not. Maybe, maybe. Can you see what's going on? You are getting, you are in the beginnings of defeat. And the enemy is seeking to develop a stronghold of rejection of God's word, a stronghold of unbelief. In your mind and heart. And it starts. With a thought. Did Adam and Eve. Give place. To the devil. Remember last time we talked about. How that the enemy took Jesus up. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time. And told Jesus all of this. I have the authority. Of all of this. Because it was delivered to me. And to whomever I will. I give it. That's why the Bible calls the devil the God of this world. Who gave it to him? How did he get it? Who gave it to him? Did our first parents give place to the devil? How'd they do it? How did it start? Huh? A thought. Come on, can you see it? A thought. This is where the battle is. This is where the warfare is. It's not dressing up in fatigues and going to the highest mountain you can find and screaming and shouting at the devil. He'll join you in that. <laughs> what, what's the difference? Thoughts. Well, what was going on with Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights where it said he was tempted of the devil? How? Thoughts and feelings came to him if you are the Son of God command these stones to be made bread. Thoughts, feelings, suggestions, temptations. This is what these spirits are up to all the time. And the the way Jesus defeated and never gave place. Oh, I like the phrase when Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he said, the Prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Don't you like that? I mean, the devil didn't have a smidge of an inch of a place in the master's life. Why? He would never give him an inch. How did he do it? When the enemy is bombarding him with thoughts, and did you notice the enemy even used scripture too, didn't he? He said, well, it's written, but then he's trying to get the Lord to act on something wrong based on a misapplication of Scripture. But how did Jesus deal with it? How did Jesus resist the devil? He said, it is written. It is written. Is Is he resisting? Is he standing against error with truth? Is he standing against lies with Scripture? Standing against darkness with revelation of light? Oh, hallelujah. 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 And he did it so completely and perfectly that the enemy finally had to throw up his hands and leave him for a season because he ran out of stuff to do. Because he realized he's not going to give in on this. This had worked on every other human being since Adam and Eve. <laughs> All the way up to now. But it didn't work on Jesus. He wouldn't give in. He wouldn't yield to it. Teaching us how to do it. Showing us how to do it. Can you see one of the very important reasons why we we ask you to read your chapter. Every day. day, day. Monday through Friday. And come to church and feed on the Word of God. Why? Because it's filling you with light. With the knowledge of His will and of His ways, of His truth. And so when the enemy tries to come against you and lie you, to you and trick you, the Spirit of God can bring to your remembrance yes. truth and light that you have heard. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. No, you're not, you're not messing with somebody that doesn't know any word, devil. Right. Amen. I know this is not right. Not I'm not giving in. I'm, and you start resisting. Just like Jesus, it is written, it is written, it is also written. And he said, get behind me resisting, but it was in the arena of the thoughts, of the feelings, the influence. So watch about these phrases. I, I Yeah, but I think, I think, yeah, but where did the thoughts come from? Yeah, but I, I just feel, where did the feelings come from? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 2 Kings uh, 6. You were going there earlier. We needed to get a hold of some other things. My, my, my. Where are you going? 2 Corinthians 6 and 15. What did I say Corinthians? I got a lot going on inside me at the same time. I got 15 pages of notes for today. And we're on page 2. Kings. 2 Kings 6. When the man of God was surrounded by enemy forces, his servant got up early in the morning and they saw a host compass the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We'd say, What are we going to do? It's just me and you. And we're surrounded here by enemy forces because the enemy king had sent his army to take out just this one man. Take him out. Because he was given counsel, supernatural counsel, to his king. In verse 16, he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Hallelujah. We've got more with us than they do with them. Amen. Don't you know that his servant thought, Huh? <laughs> I mean, he can see people all around. Got them surrounded. And then he's looking... One, two. (laughs) One, two. He said, verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, do what? Open it. Well, his eyes are open. He is seeing all too well. All of these enemy troops. So what's he asking the Lord to do? Let him see into the unseen realm what we call the unseen realm. It's not unseeable. It is with the naked eye, but it's not unseeable. Spirits see it. They see each other. It's another dimension. He said, open his eyes so he can see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full. Of horses and chariots of fire. Spirit. Now lest you think, well, that's just horses and chariots of fire. That's just an imaginary symbolic thing. Oh, no, honey child, no. The Bible tells on one occasion, one angel wiped out a hundred and something thousand enemy force overnight. That's pretty real. When they're all dead the next morning? Huh? Oh, no. This is real. But it's just a picture of how uh, it didn't say he saw them coming. They were already there. Can you see that? They had been there. Why are they there? They're ready, they're in position. If they need to manifest against these enemy forces trying to hurt this prophet. They're there. They're ready. If our eyes were open today. We would see angels in this place. Huh? You'd see angels riding with you in the car. You'd see angels in your house with you. Huh? They're spirit. But they're real. They're real. You don't lose your angel just because you grow up. Go with me, if you would, to the book of John. We've got a few minutes. And let's touch on this. Let's touch further on how to resist. The book of John. Everybody okay? Okay? You can take a little more. You're here. Might as well get the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, The scripture tells of what happened with Judas. And it is one of the most uh, revealing along this line. I've, I've seen some people talk about, you know, some of these uh, shows that try to explain some of these things. They said that really Judas didn't want to uh, do what he did, but it had to be done, and uh, he just kind of submitted and did it. But that's a lie. The Bible says that Judas betrayed Jesus and that he transgressed. And sinned. He was not a reluctant partner working with Jesus to fulfill Scripture. No, 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 no. He was a close friend and confident and on Jesus' crusade team, if you will, actually handled the finances of the ministry, carried the bag, and he absolutely betrayed Jesus. And was a a total traitor to him. And what did Jesus do to justify such an action? Nothing. Jesus didn't do him wrong. Jesus didn't hurt him. So what happened? Lying. Deceiving. Betraying. Does that sound like something the enemy would be involved with? How did it happen? With somebody... That is living and ministering close. To the master. Will the enemy try to lie to people. During a church service. Oh yeah. I wish it wasn't true. But he's always trying to. Manipulate. And deceive. And influence. He'll try to lie to you while you're praying. He'll try to lie to you. While you're reading the word. In the. John 13 and 1. John 13 and 1. It said, Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world into the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Was Jesus aware spiritually? Yeah. He knew. There are previous times before this. It says he knew his time was not yet. And now it comes to a point where he knows we're here. He was aware of where he was in his course of ministry. He was aware of what it was time for spiritually. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him What happened What happened The devil was able to get these treacherous traitorous thoughts into the heart of Judas You got to remember who picked Jesus To be one of the twelve. Jesus did. Out of all the people he could have picked. He picked him. Why? Well. God didn't make the devil. He made an anointed cherub. That covers. That was beautiful and amazing. Until iniquity was found in him. The devil fathered lying himself. God didn't make the devil the devil. And here, Judas was a different individual. He was excited about the ministry. He was respectful of the Lord and the Word and the anointing. He was thrilled to be in the meetings. He was using his faith for the finances to be covered and for everything to happen that needed to happen. Why did they turn over the finances to him in the beginning? There must have been something about him. They trusted him. But after three years or so, something happened to him. Even though he's around all of this glory, hearing Jesus teach and preach, seeing healings and miracles, and deliverances, what happened? Read it out loud. What happened? The devil was able to what? Get this into his heart. How did he do that? Thoughts. Suggestions. Feelings. Lies. The breaking point came. When that woman brought that alabaster box of ointment. You remember that? And we're told it was worth a year's wage. Of a skilled worker. So I mean this... I think we're talking at least, by our money, $50,000. Maybe a lot more. That's being conservative. And she just dumped it. (laughs) And Judah said, oh, what a waste. What a waste. Now think about that. Wasted on Jesus. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's why people get upset sometimes when folks talk about giving. is because they don't want to give anything ever. They have no interest in the things of God. They don't care about it. And they don't want to be reminded of how little they care. <laughs> and something happened in him when he sold out. It was immediately after Jesus corrected them and told them to leave her alone, that she had done a good thing. It was immediately, the very next verse in some of the writings, he went to the leaders and elders of the Jews and asked them how much they would pay him to betray Jesus. It was right on the heels of that, that incident. And we know he wanted a piece of land. He bought a piece of land with the money. Even though he's right beside Jesus... Day in day, even though he's in some of the greatest services, the greatest services there's ever been. The enemy was able to feed to him he should have more. He should have more money. They're not paying him enough. He deserves better. They're not appreciating his gifts enough. This is a direct attack of the enemy against him and against people he's around, against Jesus. Come on, can you see this? Can you see how subtle it is? He doesn't start out just obvious. He starts out... Because, see, it all came out of him when that woman dumped that $50,000 on Jesus' feet. He, j- he couldn't handle that. He's like, oh, oh. What a waste! That could have been sold and given to the poor. And the Bible said, He didn't say that because He cared about the poor. He said it because He was a thief and carried the bag. He wanted to get the fifty thou in the bag so He could get to the 50000 thou. The enemy... Was trying to get access to hurt Jesus. He couldn't get Jesus to yield to him. So what's the next best thing? Work on people close to him. Can you see that? He's subtle. He's tricky. He he put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon's son to betray him. The proverb says guard your heart. With all that you guard and keep. For out of it. Are the issues of life. What does that mean? Watch what's coming thoughts, feelings, suggestions, imagery, imaginations. Don't just let everything that comes get in your mind and you think and dwell on it till it gets in your heart. It couldn't have got into Judah's heart unless it came to his mind first. Can you see that? And he could have stopped it. When it came to his mind and it would have never got in his heart. And he would have never acted on it. In verse 26, if you skip on down there, Jesus told him what we call the the Last Supper. He told him, he said, uh, One of you is going to betray me. Was Jesus aware spiritually? Oh my. Do you want to be aware (laughs) spiritually? Does it pay to be aware? you got to remember, he's not operating as God now. He's operating as a man. He didn't stop being God, but he emptied himself of his mighty weight and glory and power and became like other men, the Scripture said. He's functioning as a man, and yet by the Spirit of God, he's aware. And you remember, uh, who was it, Peter, that told John to ask Jesus, Who is it? <laughs> because John... Was right there with his head on Jesus' shoulder. He's, he's so close. Because, you know, he named himself the one the Lord loves. <laughs> Sounds like somebody else we know. <laughs> I'm his favorite. You ever heard that before? <laughs> and uh, uh, Jesus said, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. He took a piece of bread... And he dipped it in the stuff they had. And he handed it to Judas Iscariot. Now this is an act of friendship. We're fellowshipping. We're having a meal together. Personal. If somebody starts hand feeding you. That's a good friend. Right? And notice what happened. He gave it to Judas Iscariot. And verse 27 after the sop, Satan entered into him. What do you mean? Judas sat there. He heard Jesus say, One of you is going to betray me. Jesus extended to him a hand of love and friendship, and he took it and pretended like he didn't know what he was talking about, like he was his best friend and he's already got a plan he's already made a deal with the elders to hand him over to be killed and he takes that thing and eats and when he did that man is he given place to deception to lies and and the enemy was able to come into him and when he when he did he looked at him Jesus looked at him and said what you going to do go do right now go do quickly In other words, you're going to do it, do it. Not that he wanted him to. Not that it was his will. He's already already made a deal with them to do it. This is a graphic picture of how the enemy can influence people. Even Christians if they'll let him. You can't say Judas was running with a bad crowd. Huh? You couldn't say Jesus was so mean to him and mistreated him so bad that he had a right to feel, you know, slighted and abused. He did not. The Lord had done nothing to him but be his friend and love him and help him night and day and include him in some of the most amazing things that had ever happened on planet Earth. But it just goes to show it doesn't matter. Who you're around, or what you in the middle of, the devil will come and try to lie to you and tell you that people are not doing enough for you, that you deserve more, that you did you hear that word? Deserve. You want to get rid of that word? That you deserve. You deserve. If you deserve it, the Lord can't be gracious to you. Grace is a gift, it's nothing that you deserve. No, friend, if he had put his foot down and resisted the enemy when those thoughts first coming came to him about him wanting money, him wanting land, him wanting a place, him not getting everything he wanted, if he would have resisted that, that would have been the end of it. The enemy would have had to use somebody else to betray him. Judah's name wouldn't be forever synonymous with traitor. You just say the word Judas, everybody thinks traitor, betrayer. We don't want to judge him. We want to be on our guard, lest a similar thing happen with us, right? That even though we're around all kind of good things and in the middle and around some wonderful and amazing people, that we don't get to judging after the flesh and we don't let imaginations come our way we begin entertaining ideas of we should have more. Isn't that exactly what happened with the devil? We saw that back in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. God gave him, he had a throne. He he was ruling, he he had beauty, he had amazing things, we don't know how long, and it wasn't enough for him. He decided he wants uh, the throne like God. He wants to exalt himself above everything. It wasn't enough for him. And he winds up getting cast down to hell. Something that will help you keep your heart and mind right all the time is to practice a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Hmm? This will help you keep your heart right. When something comes, you should have, you say, shut up. I've got so much. God's done so much for me. Amen. Is that right? Yes. Th- and you just yes. start thanking the Lord for everything. Yeah, but you you've always wanted this, and you don't have it. And they should have. You say shut up and get out of it. Come on, resist. Everybody say resist, yeah. resist. Yeah, but th- they should have put you in that place. They should have given you a raise already, and and they should have just turned that over to you. And and they should. These are wrong spirits trying to get something in your head and if they can do that long enough get it in your heart and if it's in your heart you'll act on it and the enemy will be able to disrupt and hurt people and, and tear things apart and divide and deceive and work his stealing, killing and destroying now he's doing it he's having way too too much success doing it But you can make up your mind, he's not going to use me. I'm not, he's going to have to look for somebody else because I'm not yielding my mind to him or my mouth to him or my hands to him or my life to him. I've been born again. I got a Lord and Savior, and it ain't the devil. He's got nothing on me, he's got nothing in me. I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. I yield myself and submit to God, and anything that's of the enemy, I resist it, stand against it, and give it no place in my life. Can you say amen, saints? Stand on your feet, everybody.